Here we are back at Book Lover Banter and today uh, we're going to be talking about my historical fiction book which is coming out. We're recording this two weeks before it comes out, 14th of November, and I'm hoping to have this podcast live around that time. And uh, so Rachel and Laura are here with me and they're going to be, I think, firing questions at me. (laughs) And uh, what else have I got to say? It is published by Moa Press and in print of Hachette Aotearoa New Zealand. And it's my first foray into historical fiction. And should we get started? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hit me with it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, First of all, how did you come up with the idea for this novel? I I didn't set out to write historical fiction. In fact, I didn't like history at school mm. and I wasn't very interested in history growing up. Um, but that has certainly changed, I think, as I've got older. I think as you get older, you do, for some reason, start to look back more at history. It'll be interesting to see, Rachel, if yeah. you start to do <laughs> that. Like, You're like, I'm never. Like history. I've never been interested <laughs> in history. Don't know if I ever will be. I was like that, though. Look to the future. I was. I was all contemporary, <laughs> contemporary, and then something happened. Anyway, um, 12 years ago, roughly, I was in my local library, and I know I had my kids there, and I think I was trying to drag them back out of the library, and I was standing by the entrance where there's a display of random books, and uh, a book caught my eye, and it was called Shipwrecks Around New Zealand. And I opened it at random and started reading about the Ines Rangatani, which was a luxury passenger liner that used to, I think it was built by the New Zealand Shipping Company. And it used to run between New Zealand and England. And uh, it was attacked by German raiders just off New Zealand shores. And I had no idea, A, that the Germans had come so close well, I had some idea, but I didn't realise that it attacked ships like that. Um, and then when I read what happened to the passengers on board, I thought, this is such an incredible story. Um, I want to write it one day. So that's was the genesis of it. And it took me a long time because I know at the time I thought I really want to write this story, but I just don't think I have the skills necessary. So I wrote all sorts of other stuff until I thought I was ready to write this one. And when did you come back to it? Well, I kept, because I was so fascinated by it, I kept going back in terms of research and looking into it more and more. And I'd jot down ideas and have I thoughts about who who did I want the main characters to be, that kind of thing. Um, and then I probably started writing it. I had a couple of false starts about maybe five years ago. And then I finally started uh, writing it, I guess, three years ago now, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe more. Has it changed much since the first draft? Like, the, was yes. the end product? Yes, it's very, very different. Uh, the core story isn't, of course, because you have to stick. Well, I want it to be as truthful to what happened to uh, the passengers as I could. So I did a lot of research, and a lot of the story is very is quite is based on fact. Where did you Where did you go to do research? I started online and just ordered a ridiculous number of books, and then uh, I 
yeah, I think it was all from starting online and then I tried to source two books that were, um, if anyone reads my book in the back, I talk about them, but there were two books that if I hadn't come across them in a rare secondhand bookshop, I don't think I could have written it because they were so important to the story. So that was a bit of luck, serendipity perhaps. So the characters based on real people or the characters mostly made up, but they're set in the the what really what happened, mm. like based in two fact. maybe two of the minor characters are even named they're completely uh true people and their names have stayed the same. Um for my characters they're sort of uh, an amalgamation of a number of people's memoirs or whatever that I'd read. So they're a mashup. So no, they're not an individual person that I researched. Are any of them based on real like people you know nowadays? <laughs> That's a question no. everyone always wants to ask. <laughs> well, Disclaimer. Rachel, Rachel and I them? are convinced yeah. um, that Hazel is based on you. <laughs> And you, you well, with good reason. With no, no, I mean, parts of Rachel, definitely. You can tell yeah. just from her. So it's dual timeline. So the, the historical part of the story is the bulk of the story, but there's also uh, a more present day story um, two generations later. And the main two characters are Hazel and Joe. And Hazel is very much based on me in terms of what she does. And her heading off to London, I just thought, well, I mean, I might as well base it on me because that's what I did. But parts of her personality aren't me. No. And parts <laughs> are. <Yeah. laughs> and I'm not going to say which parts. <laughs> are you, when you write, do you know, like, when you started writing it, did you know how it was going to end? Are you like a when you write, do you plot out the entire thing or do you let it let the story kind of unfold as it will? I um I don't plot, but when as I've discovered, this is the first historical I've done. So I have to because there's certain events that happen at certain times, I have to they can don't constrict me, but I have to stay on that certain path so that I make sure that that happens at the right time and right. the characters are there where, where they need to be for that to happen, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I, in terms of what happened to the characters and deciding the outcomes for each of them, that was organic. That just happened and then it changed around a bit. <laughs> I certainly didn't plan. I don't want to give away spoilers but I didn't plan in advance what was going to happen and often I surprised myself as I was writing and was that fun when yeah you surprised yourself yeah was that the best I mean writing? that's the best part because you get to say actually I think I'm going to make the character do this yeah. or um say this yeah and and you're writing um rituals do you have writing rituals do you sit in a particular position in the house or always drink a glass of water when you're writing what do you what do you do when you're writing <laughs> nothing like that no I don't have any kind of ritual whatsoever and 
I think that's part of me. I don't like routine. Um, I don't like being told I have to do something at a particular time and do it this way. <laughs> so, so deadlines so, may have been. <laughs> oh, I don't mind a deadline, actually. I quite like working to a deadline. But no, so I just, I might work in a cafe. I might work, I, I tend to follow the sun around the house. So wherever the sun is shining through a window, that's where you'll find me writing. Um sometimes it's at the kitchen table and sometimes it's lying on my bed it's just anywhere really and always with a laptop yeah notebook if I'm if I get a bit stuck I'll pull out a notebook and generally that's when I'll just start writing more details or more backstory or something about one of the characters because usually that's where I've got stuck I don't know the character well enough to keep going or I don't know what the character's going to do so then I just jot down notes in my notebook about that character until I get a better understanding of how I think they would react in a situation. Is there anyone in particular like another author that you historical fiction wise that you would not compare your book to but kind of say say for reader for listeners if they like this certain type of novel, you would recommend they read your book? Uh, good <laughs> question. Uh, the, the thing, I think the problem is, <laughs> I've got a pretty severe bout of imposter syndrome. Yes, I was going to say you're too so I just to, to, to mention these amazing authors in the same breath as my book, I feel like, no, I can't do that. Um, has but anyone I, told you that that they that it reminded them of anyone else? Anyone who's read it so far? Well, I was at the Hawke's Bay Readers Festival this weekend, just gone, and the lovely Lou from Wardini said that because um, she'd read it, and she said that she's going to tell everyone it's like a Kate Quinn novel, mm-hmm. which I was like, yay! Please, I if I'm asked, I. I sometimes say Natasha Lester or Kelly Rimmer. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you guys have read it. Yeah. Do you think there's any, would you say it's like? You I don't read historical I know. fiction. So, <laughs> so I have no comparison yeah. because I, I the last historical fiction book I read was The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. And Oof. I don't read historical fiction because of that book because it wrecked me. And it just, I just find them very emotional. Like they all tend to be World War II stories that are very sad and just not something that I want to sit down and read mm. because I am such an emotional person. I know I'm going to end up in tears. Um, but I've never been against it. I just don't pick them up for that reason. Mm-hmm. So I can't compare it to any other mm. historical fiction writers. Um, I but it's not just sad your book because there are bits of it that are sad, but it's also happy. I mean, there's, there's some good love stories. In yeah, the book, aren't there? I don't think all historical fiction is sad. That's just my experience. Well, my story. Yeah, that's that's pretty sad. Yeah. How many people mm. have read the book so far? Oh, I I don't don't know for sure because I don't know. Uh, the publisher would have sent out a few early reading copies to people. 
Is it your friends? No, no one. No no one. No No. 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 kids? My husband, my kids, no one's read it. Really? My husband hasn't read it. No. Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Michael, very proud. (laughs) Very special. Oh, they're going to. I don't know if they'll get around to it. We'll see. Yeah, Mm. they should because it's very good. I think you should be. Have they read your previous books? Uh, The kids haven't. Mike has. Yes, it's not really. They're not really aimed at him. So they're not really like. Yeah. Yeah. He'll like this one. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> He'll tell me he does even if he doesn't. <laughs> I reckon Chris is so cool. Oh, they will. Are they saying they, they will read? Yeah. 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 Hmm. I was just thinking in saying that, like, I can, because I read it, and and because Hazel and Ruth are both women, do, did you write it? kind of thinking that men would read it as well? I hoped they would, but I think it is aimed more at women. Yeah. Um, not just from my point of view as, as an author, but the publisher is pitching it. You can kind of tell by the colour and the, t- and the title yeah. that it's more pitched towards female readers. But I hope, and I know of some male customers who want to read it, so... Yeah. Uh, I hope that they will. Yeah, it is. And there are quite a lot of male characters in the book as well, aren't there? Mm. An interesting, yeah. interesting. And we get Joe's point of view as well. Yeah. So it's not all from a female point of view. That's right. Yeah. And um, one of the best characters in the whole book is the book that's that's in. The oh, I'm glad you book. said that. Yeah. <laughs> how, how how did that work into the plot? Can you describe how it works? Uh, without spoilers. <laughs> yeah, without spoilers. Uh, so Hazel, I guess I'm using it as a device. So she uh, is leaving on her big OE from New Zealand, heading to, to London. And her grandfather, who she's very close to, hasn't ever wanted to talk about the war and his experiences as a child during the war, but He gives her this book as she's about to get on the plane and says, I want you to read this. This will help explain what happened to me. And so I guess I was using it as a device uh, that she could be learning about her grandfather's story as well as her own story taking place. And that it was almost like they're crossing paths because Ruth is heading towards New Zealand by sea obviously many years earlier, 80, so 80 years earlier, whatever, and then Hazel is heading to London and they're both heading off on adventures. And so I almost wanted them to learn about it. Well, I wanted Hazel to learn about Ruth's adventure as she carried on her. I think it works really well. Thank you. Uh, My original, the manuscript I sent to the publisher I thought it was very literary and arty and clever. So that modern, the sort of more contemporary thread, the narrator was the book. So the book was telling the story, telling the story and observing. And <laughs> bless her, she, <laughs> she did the very first thing she said when she came back to me was, the book has to go. <laughs> so it clearly wasn't as clever and uh, literary and, uh, as I thought. Anyway, 
Yeah, I would have made it a, a very different novel. <laughs> very different novel. And I think a different market too. Like that's so interesting. Possibly, yeah. Like if you pitch it to someone like it's a book about a book telling a story. Mm-hmm. Then it's a book about a, a girl going on her OE and reading the story of her, her grandfather's experiences. Yeah. Like totally different. Yeah, very different. Yeah, it had a different feel. It, it took me quite a while to rewrite those sections. Yeah, but it would have taken you a long time to write in the first place. So yes, it's books. quite challenging to write. <laughs> you write very challenging. The book just happens to be in Hazel's bag, or it happens to be on the table in front of them. So it can be observing the conversation and and their actions. But uh, anyway, it's gone. So <laughs> do you reckon you'll? I don't know how these kind of things happen, but. I think it would make a really good movie. Yes, I know. Oh, do you reckon yes. like this? Yes, any... please. Yeah. <laughs> like how does that how does that kind of thing work? Does it is your publisher that maybe like sends it to like I don't know. I have the no idea. Movie rights or something. No, but if anyone's listening and is interested, yeah. <laughs> please get in touch. It would make a great movie. It would make a I'd watch it. Yeah. Oh thanks. Yes. In I'd fact I almost it. picture it in my head. I mean, I can mm-hmm. see yeah. it when I read it, and I can. Mm-hmm. It, it has a kind of movie quality to it when you're reading it. Um, and blushing. Yeah. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about the CORB and and what that means in the story? Uh, okay, so Ruth is a British school teacher, and she sees an advertisement in the Times. And it's advertising for people to escort children out to the dominions, as they were called, um, to escape. The to escape. Yeah, the blitz had just started, and there was a real fear that England would be next. France had fallen, and there was a. Yeah, parents were terrified, and. Uh, so they started the scheme. It was very controversial. Debates whether Churchill had actually agreed to it or not. Um, so, and it was quite short-lived in the end because there were some awful tragedies. Uh, with I don't know if you've heard about the Benares, the Benares, oh, but the bit in the book I had uh, to stop reading the book and mm-hmm. look it up, and mm-hmm. I was kind of traumatized by what mm-hmm. I read at that point. Yeah. Anyway, where was I going? Corb. So Corb was the uh, division, I guess. What would you call it? The what would you call it? Committee, I guess. Was it the children's children's overseas reception board? Yeah. Yes. So they became this was shortened to Corb. And so Ruth in the book, she is one of these Corb escorts who escorts children, um, in this case, to Australia and then New Zealand. Does that kind of answer that? Yeah. Yeah. But I remember researching it and being just... Because people with money in England or in the UK at the time, they were able to get their children out. So this was aimed at the poorer families where there wasn't that option and so they were coming from desperately poor areas of Liverpool and Wales and and I think that was another thing that 
it was probably a bit of an eye-opener for Ruth, who'd been a teacher in London. She hadn't really experienced. She didn't really know what she was getting herself in for, I don't think, when she signed up. She just thought it would be a fun adventure and a chance to go to New Zealand where she'd um, been once before. Have you yourself had a lot of or any experience on ships? Like, have you spent any time at sea? No, thank goodness. <laughs> I have no <laughs> desire to go on a ship. Like, people talk about cruises. Like, cruises? Like, nope. Yeah. Oh, thank no, thank you. No. I quite like the idea of, you know, sailing a yacht around the Greek islands or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to be on a big ship. That's just not me at all. And I don't. I could not have done what Ruth did. Did you ever oh. wonder if you could have done it? Yeah, I worried about um, whether I would have the patience to to look after small children mm. for that length, for that of, length time. of time. Um, and the responsibility and the constant fear. Yeah, I, it was. Yeah, it's the fear that, like, I think it could. I could escort kids now but not during wartime mm. like i'd just mm. just be petrified and having to be strong for the kids mm. and not show that you were afraid yeah i think is just incredibly that's just another level of bravery and courage that i don't think i have but i don't think you know that until you're in that, you know, a lot of people seem to step up in water and show courage and bravery that they didn't know they had any. It's hard because I like we like there are wars going on in the world right now, so I don't want to be like I can't yeah. imagine doing that work during wartime, yeah. and I'm like, well, because I'm privileged enough right now, it's yeah, hard to not be yeah in a war, but there are people in the world right now who are. Yeah, yeah, having to do step brave up. things and be incredibly courageous, mm. and mm. they are dealing with these issues that for me are in the past, mm. but they're but people's current present. present. Mm. What's actually happening? Mm. It's terrifying. It is because yeah, you just don't you don't know. No, <laughs> fight or flight. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's something Ruth went through as well there was that kind of debate of like fight or flight like should I stay or should I go mm. and she saw that ad yeah it was that yeah are my, my responsibilities yeah or with the children is it is it selfish mm. or is it courageous mm. that was something that I think she thought about definitely and she created it and and other people telling her what they thought. Mm. And it was like, it's not just your decision. It is. Like, at the end of the day, it, it was her decision. It didn't matter what other people were going to tell her. Mm. Do, you miss, no. do you miss your characters when you finished writing about them? I mean, do you miss, do you miss living with them in, in your head? Uh, I don't miss them, but I definitely feel them as almost as people that exist or existed mm. yeah did you read your book once it was like 
published? Like, did you actually sit down and read it from start to finish? Or did you just, you knew what happened because you wrote it, obviously. Mm -hmm. But did you ever actually like sit down and read it once it was, once you had a copy copy. in your hand? I haven't read it the whole way through again. Mm -hmm. I've read bits of it either to reassure myself or kick myself. (laughs) 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 Depending on my mood. So is that a kind of being there done that kind of hit you that you close uh, the too door close to it? I, yeah. I think I'd I'd love to be able to pick it up in a, in a year or two and almost have forgotten the story and be able to read it again. Yeah. Um, but I know if I was to read it now, I I would just be like, oh, I shouldn't have used that word. Or, no, yeah. or, you're yeah. your biggest <laughs> self-critic. Your biggest. Um, yeah. Little voice in your head. Mm. Should have written that differently. Yeah. Why did I choose that name? I think it's funny because you were asking me yesterday when I was reading it if I was reading it knowing that I know you, like Mm. reading it knowing, oh, I know Liv. And I wasn't, I wasn't. Like I said to you, I would read it and then all of a sudden there would be something that I'm like, oh my God, that's so <laughs> like yeah. that's something Liv would say or like it's something would come up and I'd be like, well, I know what that's from or like, yeah. I know that's based off of something else or that's yeah. happened to Liv before. Um, and then I would get back into the yeah. story and so, I'd get so sucked into yeah. it again. And then something else would come up and I'd be like, oh my God, Liv wrote this. <laughs> but I think that I saw, I, I thought about Liv when I was reading the contemporary one, but I thought about her far less when I'd lost myself yes. in the history. Right. True. So yeah. I think I, I definitely knew, because I knew that you'd just been to London oh. and been here and there, I kind of, I could, I sort of thought, oh, I, I, I see Liv in, in this bit. Yeah, but in the historical novel, I think I completely lost myself in it. Same, um, mm-hmm. but I think that's true of all novels. If it's contemporary, you're trying to put yourself into it, and if it's historical, the historical bit, you're you, you, it has a filmic quality. Mm-hmm. I was just remembering now because it, it's hard to come up with names for characters, yes. mm. and. Most of the names in the historical part of that book are from my local cemetery. <laughs> That's where you're supposed to look. That's where oh, I walked yeah. around and I looked up the dates of when these people had sort of been alive. So I knew it was roughly the same yes, time because, period. And I took names off the headstones. Because names are very um, dating. Yeah. Do you have, on that note, like, do you have a list of names that you keep for future books? Like, no. You don't have like no. favorite names. You like one day I'm going to write a book and the character's name is going to be no. Well, I do. Do you do you keep a list of words? I keep them. I have got a random list of like sneak this into my like book titles. You know, you hear something, you go, oh, it would make a great title of a book. Yes, yeah. yes, I have got a few of those lying around. So, what are you going to write next, or what are you writing next? Are you still writing? I have just finished writing a. First, well, not the first draft, but the final draft of um, my second historical book, and uh, still needs a bit of work, I think. But it's with the publisher now, so we'll see what she thinks. Uh, so it's based on a group of women called Tuis, because General Freiburg 
had his Kiwis, so his wife uh, was enchanted with Tuis and so she said, well, you've got your Kiwis, so I'll have my Tuis. Well, that's how the story goes anyway. So, side story there. <laughs> um, so the Tuis are a group of women who were part of the Women's Auxiliary Army Corps, I believe, and uh, they again volunteered to uh, travel to Egypt and then then they ended up following the New Zealand Second Division uh, to Italy and they they had a I guess a welfare role they would work in what were called um, New Zealand Forces clubs um, first in Cairo and then Bari Rome and Florence and they did all sorts of things. They actually arrived not really knowing what they were going to be doing. Uh, they just wanted to do something for the war effort and travel. And so they they served tea and cakes. And so they sort of spent a lot of time in the lounges talking to the soldiers who had come in. They'd take them out to dances. They would take them shopping for gifts to send back to their loved ones back home. Uh, they'd go visit all the, the New Zealand hospitals and sit by the bedsides and read letters and things like that. And um, they faced quite a bit of prejudice at times. They thought they were going for a short time and ended up going for a very long three and a half years, some of them. Um, so they have a really fascinating story that I don't think a lot of people know about. So it's about them. Oh, that sounds good. Mm. And will you stick with historical novels from now onwards, or will you? I have no idea. <laughs> Sci-fi? <laughs> no, we want a psychological thriller. <laughs> well, I did write one of those, but it's in my metaphorical bottom drawer. So I don't know that so I'll resurrect. I don't think I'll resurrect it to be honest. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't. Don't know. I have actually got another idea for another historical one, again Ooh. quite different. But whether that turns into a story, I'm not sure yet. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just wanted to ask you: Do you have a favourite part of the book? I do. Do you? I do. I definitely do. Are you allowed to say what they are? No. Oh. <laughs> Spoilers. I don't have a favourite part. No, I, I I have a part that every time I read it, I got my heart starts racing, and so mm -hmm. it's a part um, that I figured if my heart starts racing reading this, and I've written and read it, oh, read it so many times and rewritten it so many mm -hmm. times, then it must be uh, quite. Uh, I cried quite a lot reading this book. Did you cry writing? Did it make yeah. you cry? I got emotional at a couple of scenes as I wrote them, yes. Yeah. I don't know that I cried, but I certainly got emotional. Do you think you'd cry if you sat down and read it like a year from now? I don't know. It would depend on my mood. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how my day had gone. I feel like even if I reread it, like if I read it again, I'd still cry at the parts that I cried at. Really? Yeah. No, I know what happens. I know what's coming. Yeah. And I know, like, I, you know, whether or not you expect anything that happens in the book, it's, I think it just 
Yeah. And, you know, I think that's good writing, isn't it? That makes you cry um, and makes you cry again Again. when you read it for a second time. It's very well written. Everyone keeps saying to me, oh, you must be so excited. Your book's coming out. And I want to be excited. But you're shy. I think that's it's the... I am a shy person and it's it's hard to yeah. put something that you put so much into something that's quite personal, hard having it out there. And unanimized. Yeah. Picked over. Mm, yeah. It is hard. And harking back to the imposter syndrome. Uh, I just I don't I find it hard to be up out there talking about my book. Like I'm some author. <laughs> You're oh, good. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, it's funny because yeah. we are on the other side of it. Yeah. So we're like, yeah. Liv, we're so proud of you. Yes. And your book is so good. And yeah. we loved it. And everyone's like, of course you love it. Like Liv wrote it. And I'm like, no, but like, I feel like I'd be able to have the ball to tell you yes. if I didn't enjoy it. And we both like, said that we were going to enjoy selling it in the shop. Because we really believe in it and we think it's yeah, good and we can sell it confidently. Yeah. And agree to. Mm. So, I, so then I don't have to, I'll just hide out the bag. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, just want a size to be signed. Yeah. Yeah, she, the Do you want a size? She's just out the bag. <laughs> You're not allowed to actually see her. But she's like, Do you want to sell you? <laughs> Um, if my publishers are listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> I promise that I will not hide up the back and I'll try and get out and <laughs> shove um, it into everyone's hands <laughs> and sign copies. Don't even tell them it's your book. Just have you heard yeah, this? I've heard this is really it's a good. debut historical novel. Mm. I think she's a local author. <laughs> yeah, I could try that approach. Just see if anyone pulls you out. Sometimes I have heard people come into the shop and discuss Liv's book in front of her, not knowing that you were there <laughs> as the author. Yeah. And I looked at you as if to say, are you going to fuss up? And you didn't. <laughs> you hid behind the two. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to improve on that. <laughs> yes. That said, I really want to start talking about my book now. <laughs> uh, is anything else uh, that has happened this week in the shop. I mean, we had a very quiet morning because of the rugby world. Oh, I bet. Oh my yes. goodness, not a soul. You took a picture of the street, and it was yeah. Everyone's usually bustling on a Sunday morning. Everyone's out walking their dogs at the cafe, and I was like, "What is this ghost town? Yeah. I can't see anyone on the sidewalk." And then I looked at the bar down the road, and I was like, "Oh, here they all are." And that was like two minutes before the All Blacks lost. Oh dear. Well, we're not going to talk. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> we've had some dogs in, I think. This mm-hmm. Yeah, we would get quite Lots a of dogs because we've got a competition on at the moment. You bring your dog in and you can go into the draw to win Ruth Shaw's new book, Bookshop Dogs, which I've just started reading and it's great. You had a difficult customer this week, Rachel. Oh, yeah. Do you want to share that with, with the audience? Or yeah. Not? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like we should have a podcast episode just about okay. customers. customers. I've noted it down. Definitely okay. When it happened, I was like, oh, you're going on the podcast. I'm going <laughs> to talk about you later. Maybe you'll listen and 
see my perspective of what happened. Maybe, you you know, mm. you know, sometimes people say things to you and you take them a different way. And I'm like, I perceive it as not being so nice, but maybe, maybe she was just having a bad day. Or maybe she didn't think she was saying it in a rude way. And I just, it was like a tone of voice thing. Mm. But it, <laughs> I was quite put out. We'll talk about that later. Okay, we'll yeah. talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> And all right, should we just wrap it up then? Yeah, yeah, we've had yeah. customers, they've been good, they've been bad, <laughs> <laughs> mostly good. Yeah, we love our customers, yeah, we do, <laughs> even the difficult ones. They give us something to talk about, absolutely. <laughs> we love a challenge, yeah. I love going home at the end of the day and being like, Oh my god, I'm on you, never gonna guess what this customer did today because <laughs> you never talk about the good ones, you're never like, yeah. Oh my god, I had the sweetest customer, oh, I think sometimes. But yeah, not as much. The bad not as much. You the, the I shouldn't use the word bad. No, no all, all customers. Bad. All customers. All customers are good. <laughs> if you're listening, you're a good customer. You're good. Especially if you buy four books. Yeah, and, and you're nice to us. <laughs> and all you right. bring us biscuits. They're never going to come back. I'm listening to this. Oh yeah, we should. Yeah, I'm going to that store. They're dirty. <laughs> and we do have customers that bring us biscuits, and we love them very much. Yeah, we do. Mm. <laughs> on that note we should probably <laughs> sign off we should go serve some customers <laughs> true alright oh. thank you for listening and Bye. hopefully you'll tune in next time <laughs> read Love's book it's called The Girl from London oh yeah I don't know I've never actually said what it was called <laughs> by the way it's called The Girl from London by Olivia Spooner mm.